Welcome to the Connected Leadership Podcast. I'm Daryl Black, author of the 1-100 Leadership Solution, How to Be the Leader You Would Want. I'm a leadership coach, facilitator, dad to an amazing son, and all-around nice guy. At least I think so. I think we're as connected a society as we've ever been, yet we're more disconnected than ever. I want to change that. My purpose and passion is to help you learn to connect so you can be a better leader, a better parent, a better partner. Connected leadership, it matters. Remember to subscribe and thanks for listening. Okay, let's do this. This podcast episode is about the number one source of influence that you need to have to lead effectively. So throughout this entire episode, I am going to give you five sources of influence and tell you which one will get you the best long-term results so you'll have a more empowered team that gets even more team results. How does that sound? I, I know that sounds a big uh, like a big thumbs up for me. So who am I? I'm Daryl Black, and I've spent almost 30 years on the front lines in emergency services and responding to disasters. Things like Katrina, um, Canada's two largest disasters uh, north of the border here, hundreds of search and rescue missions. And my job and my mission and my purpose is to take those lessons I've learned through all of those experiences and helping you to apply them to your personal and professional lives. So. That is my mission, that is my purpose. These podcast episodes are meant to reach you wherever you might be, whether it be on video, whether it be uh, on audio podcast, you name it, whatever platform. The idea for me is to get the message out and help as many people as I can. Now, to start this whole conversation, I'll tell you a little bit bit of a story here on my first, uh, my young leadership. And it'll tie in pretty clearly as to our topic coming up. When I became president of our local search and rescue group, at the time there was, uh, you know, probably 70, 60 or 70 people on it. I, I was, uh, I joined search and rescue. I wasn't even quite 18 yet. And I became president, I think at 19 or 20. Now, truly ignorance is bliss because I had no idea really what the scope of the job actually required, but therein lies part of the challenge and what led me to my journey that really ultimately got me here today. And I remember when I became president, I, the first thing I thought in my mind was, you know what? All right. I was, I think the youngest person in the group or one of for sure. And the first thing I thought was not, oh good. I get to impact people. I get to uh, work with some amazing people. I get to, uh, you know, help uh, even more lost and missing people. I get to have a say in training and all of these other things. I didn't think that. I actually thought, you know what? Thank goodness. Now I'm in charge and I can start making decisions and people will listen to me. So that was absolutely my first train of thought. And looking back, I see that I was using leveraging a particular source of influence that's called position power, which is, or position influence, which is nothing except for the fact that in a hierarchy, you have authority. That's it. That is it. Now, as I continued on through my search and rescue and business career, I was a project manager for many years with a big corporation. I realized that, you know what, leveraging the position only went so far. Yeah, it would get some really good short-term results, but 
ultimately I really wanted to, I was asking people to do a lot of crazy things in the middle of the night when you're searching for a person, for example, you're searching for a lost child. And I realized that if you really want people to listen to you and follow your lead, you needed to use a lot more tools in the toolbox than just you need to do that or you must do it because again, that gets your short term results. But when we need to motivate, when I needed to motivate somebody over the course of hours through some pretty shitty environments, bad terrain, pouring rain, super cold weather, let's face it, people don't go missing when it's plus 20 degrees Celsius. And I don't know what the heck that is in Fahrenheit if somebody can chime up on what that might be I'm not sure but essentially that's the whole reason we're out there is there's a life and death situation and just telling people to do something because I am their president or I am their as it's called search manager that's not going to fly for a long time and it may fly for that one particular deployment but man oh man people get really really tired of being treated without respect or being disrespected to or not being valued. So I realized that luckily fairly early in my leadership journey and in particular in emergency services. And what's really good about emergency services is and disaster management, emergency management is you get to see crystal clear very, very quickly what works and what doesn't. And you need to resolve conflict. You need to make decisions. You need to deal with people. You need to build teams very, very rapidly. So luckily I became very deliberate about some things that worked. And that again, led me through this long journey of leadership that continues to this day. But at the end of it, I really wondered, wow, you know, what is it that makes me want to go through a wall for somebody and to hell and back? Whereas other times I'm like, you know what? Dibs out, man. Like I don't even, I'll listen to you and I'll do the bare minimum. So I was thinking for myself, but I was also thinking about others, people that I led or that I worked with, what would make them follow me? Now, contrary to popular belief, followership as it's called, it's not overt. So somebody doesn't walk into the office and say, okay, you know what? I am going to listen to my boss today. I, that sounds oversimplified and we'll deep dive into it a little bit more. But first, let's lay the groundwork with a little bit of background. And so we'll talk about what leadership is, what the role of the leader is, and a concept that I call the connected leader, and also discuss stress. And then we'll get into the sources of influence as they're called. And you'll get in, you will get the number one source of influence that will really build effective teams and make people empowered and really, really loyal. And not loyal in a I'm the king kind of way, but loyal because they want to follow you. Now, leadership, the definition, I don't, I, I should have Googled it. I forgot to. How many definitions there are of leadership? There are hundreds or thousands. If you were to go to the you googly machine there and uh, check out leadership, there would be thousands of pages on leadership. Guaranteed. Absolutely. Now, the definition that I'm going to start with is one from the United States Army back in the early 1900s. And that definition of leadership was the leader provided purpose, so really a why, direction, so what are we going to do, and motivation to get stuff done. Okay, so U.S. Army definition, 
provided purpose, direction, and motivation. You know what? Even in the wording, it sounds very army-like, doesn't it? Very, uh, very straightforward to the point. Like, no real nuance to it. Purpose, direction, motivation. Yep, yes sir, no sir, three bags full sir. Absolutely uh, made a lot of sense for that particular environment. And number of environments. That model of leadership, the purpose, direction, motivation, was really centered around the leader. And even in the definition, it kind of indicates a lot of it's on the leader. They are the ones that do the purpose. They are the ones that provide the direction. They are the ones that do the motivation. Well, again, the service really, really well during world wars and conflict and emergency services where it's kind of, you know, pretty autocratic, if you will. And there are some specific reasons for that. But that approach, that autocratic leader centric approach didn't doesn't really serve us that well now in this day and age. Yes, there's still very much a time and a place for that purpose, direction, motivation, leader centric kind of model, but it's actually few and far between. So the model that was leadership, the approach, the paradigm that was leadership had to shift. And it shifted because socioeconomic conditions changed. Um, people started to now have a voice. And I, I'm so tired of hearing about millennials, millennials, millennials. They're the problem, they're the problem, they're the problem. Well, the source of influence that we're going to talk about will actually transcend generations. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's not quite a magic bullet, but it's pretty freaking close. So our definition that we will be using in this episode, as well as all other episodes, make sure you, you share and subscribe and, uh, and comment and, and get notifications, all of those things. The definition for leadership that we are going to be using is a leader exerts social influence, which maximizes the efforts of others to achieve a common goal. Okay. So I'll say it again. A leader exerts social influence, which maximizes the efforts of others to achieve a goal. Okay. Definitely a lot softer than purpose, direction, motivation. Yes, sir. No, sir. Um, so that is the definition. Social influence, which maximizes the efforts of others to achieve a goal. Now, let's take that definition and let's now apply it to you as the leader, him or herself. The leader needs to be a facilitator. And if you think about it, facilitator is, uh, is not the, a dictator. It's the exact opposite. Your job as a leader is to facilitate and not dictate. So the example that really comes to mind and resonates with a lot of people is um, that of a conductor, right? So you've got the conductor standing on the on their podium, behind their podium, on the stool. Yeah, uh, maybe I should go to an opera once in a while, uh, like more than once, and maybe pay some freaking attention. But anyways, or an orchestra. So that conductor is not playing an instrument. And in fact, they are physically removed from the entire orchestra. They're at an elevated position so they can see, and they are trained through years and years and years of practice to be tuned into different parts of the orchestra individually. So they can hear the violin, they can hear the uh, trumpet, they can hear uh, the harp, if that is this is quite an eclectic orchestra. It's got a harp. It's got a trumpet. 
And what was it? Uh, oh, the violin. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's, that's different. Anyways, you get the point. Um, so that conductor is listening to the individual pieces. They're also looking and hearing the entire picture, the entire piece. They're trying to hear the, the entire culmination of all of those sounds. Now, their job is to make adjustments. Violins are a little bit too quiet. Maybe it's pump up the volume a little bit on that one, slow down the pace. Trumpets, a little bit uh, pump down, uh, uh, pipe down on the old uh, trumpet sounds there. And harp, um, you're competing. So let's go ahead and, and, you know, speed it up a little bit. So that conductor is making those uh, adjustments on the fly, but they're also keeping all of the different pieces in coordination. So that's very much what a leader does. Now, the conductor, I promise you, could play one or all of the instruments that he or she is conducting for. But if there's an issue, that conductor does not get off of the stool from behind the podium, grab the violin and take it from somebody. And then, you know what? Beat it. I got this. So that is not what actually happens. The conductor, while having that ability, stays back and detached and looks after the whole picture. So leaders facilitate, they don't dictate. Leaders also have to be counselors, you know, and, and now I'm not saying a Dr. Phil kind of counselor where come into my leather couch and tell me about your childhood type stuff, but certainly the counselor denotes a leader that needs to be able to listen and maybe not even solve problems, but sit there and just let somebody be heard, actively listen. And maybe provide a little bit of guidance on and mentorship on how something can maybe uh, maybe be resolved. So a facilitator, a conductor, the leader has to also be a coach. So the coach is exactly that, just like you would see in, in sports. A coach is teaching somebody. They're often motivating somebody. But they're really transferring knowledge, often from themselves, to somebody else. And so that's the job. Facilitator, a counselor, a coach. They have to be a cheerleader too. You know what? Some people respond well to rah, 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 rah stuff. Hey, go, go, go. I love it. You know, public accolades, uh, uh, you know, that, that, that sort of thing. So yeah, you can't be Debbie Downer all the time saying, you know what? This, yeah, hey, good, good job. Nice, nice. That's, that's good. Yay. Let's move on to the next thing. Sometimes you do have to provide positive reinforcement, positive motivation. In fact, that's a big part of it. So facilitator, a counselor, a couch, a cheerleader. And you know what? A leader does have to be an ass kicker. Absolutely. There is a time and a place. Sometimes and you've gone through your whole, you know, you put, went into the quiver, you pulled out all the arrows, and at the end of the day, a good ass kicking is needed. Now, I'm not advocating violence or bullying or intimidation, but just a little quick proverbial little, little kick in the in the pants is sometimes needed. Now, again, I'm just sort of crystal clear, and I, I wish I didn't have to say this, but I'm not saying you bully or you intimidate or anything like that, but you provide a little bit of more assertive leadership, if you will. So let's take that role of a leader and let's, let's jump into something that I am championing and I'm an advocate for, and this is where my message really lies, and that is in the connected leader. What is a connected leader? Yes, they were the facilitator and ass kicker and cheerleader and all of those things. But you know what? A connected leader, that's where we're trying to go. That's where I want us to go. That is the message I want you to take away from all of this material. And what is a connected leader? It's a, 
A connected leader is a self-aware leader that facilitates, but doesn't dictate. It's one who leads through respect and not fear. One who leads with inspiration and not exasperation. One who is vulnerable, empathetic, compassionate, and calm, and expects the same of those around them. In summary, a connected leader is one who connects first and then leads. And we're going to be really unpacking that entire definition over the course of all of these episodes here on, on the podcast. So uh, don't worry if a lot of those things don't necessarily resonate with you. But we're really talking about self-awareness, facilitation, vulnerability, empathy, compassion, which includes compassion to yourself, being calm, which means managing stress. So gone are the days where I could walk into a room, start barking orders and expect long-term results. Leadership today, the leadership that I want, and I think that you want too, is the ability to, you need to connect with the individuals on the team and then you will lead. So further to that, the leader now has shifted the whole paradigm of, of, of so leadership 1.0 was that autocratic leader. And that was the leader that resorted to what we call position power or fear. And we'll get into that in a little bit more detail. But now we I'm advocating leadership 2.0 where the leader actually is at the bottom. So if you picture 1.0, uh, a pyramid, right? Just visualize that in your mind. Leader is at the top. The entire team, the entire organization for that matter, supported the team or supported the leader. Everything fed up, everything fed up and direction commands filtered down. Well, leadership 2.0, a connected leader is one that actually flips that pyramid completely around 180 degrees. And the leader is at the quote unquote bottom of that pyramid and they are supporting the team. They're removing barriers. They're making sure the team is supported. They're making sure the team has the resources they need in terms of training, equipment, money, finances, all of those things. That is what the connected leader is. And that's what leadership 2.0 looks like. And if you set it up properly, and if you use the proper sources of influence that we're going to talk about here, you will have a team that wants to work with you, not forced to work with you. You'll have a team that will be able to make decisions more effectively and they're way more empowered. They're not going to come to work with a pit in their stomach. And so what is this magical leadership 2.0 and this connected leadership? Well, it starts with the leadership influence that we call respect. There's four other ones that we're going to be deep diving here. But really respect influence is the key. It is the linchpin that separates good leaders from great leaders. It separates managers from leaders. It is the one thing that says, you know what? I absolutely will go through the wall for you. I'll go to hell and back. I'll do it twice if I respect you. But if you're leveraging just position and fear, I'll do the bare minimum. And that is the environment, that last one, doing the bare minimum, that doesn't cut it in this day and age. As a leader, you have a responsibility to make sure that people are empowered. Another piece of the background here that we'll get into, that we need to, is this whole primer on stress. Really, when we're talking about respect and we're talking about safety amongst teams and, and empowerment, we're really talking about a leader that creates an environment based on respect and that connected leader around vulnerability, empathy, compassion, and stress management. So stress, which we'll get into in future uh, podcasts, 
is a is an actual reaction that's in place for a particular reason. It's designed to allow us to deal with threats. And it started with the saber-toothed tiger threat, a physical threat way back in the day. And it served us really well. I wouldn't be sitting here on this episode if that was the case, like if, if stress wasn't a part of our DNA. So I appreciate our cavemen and women having stress. Well, over the years, there are no longer saber-toothed tigers, but here's the key. The threat has changed. The threat is now not paying bills. The threat is our boss coming down on us. The threat is losing my job. The threat is not being accepted. The threat has changed, but our reaction has not. So as far as physiologically and psychologically, neurologically, chemically, all of, all of that stuff, the, the, the cacophony of chemicals that get dumped into our system, um, that has not changed. So that's how we react even if we're in a workplace. Even though we're completely safe physically, all of these other threats are being treated exactly the same by our body. So as a leader, you have to be really, really aware of that. Now, let's get into even more of the specifics, the sources of influence. And like I said earlier, contrary to what people think, people decide to follow the leader. And here's the insidious, more interesting part about it is the fact that not everybody, in fact, nobody makes it a conscious decision to follow somebody. I'll say that again. It's actually a subconscious process that will now make me decide to follow you. So let's get into it in a little bit more, uh, more detail on that one. We're human beings that we, we have, we want to fit naturally into a hierarchy or a structure. That, that is just, that is how we roll as, as human beings. And like all hierarchies, there are levels of authority and influence and that is really where we, we need to deep dive into. And if you think of this list that we're about to go through from a visceral perspective, like a feeling emotional way, um, you'll be, uh, you'll be better served. So the first source of influence is what we call legitimate or position influence or position power. So what this is, the legitimate or position influence is really, I have authority over you because in the hierarchy I'm higher. So you will follow somebody because they are your boss or they're your boss's boss. And that's it. They wear more stripes than you if it's an emergency services situation. They're making more money than you. They are higher up in the org chart than you in your organization. That's it. That's where their influence comes from. And that's where you get situations where even somebody in a different part of your organization, even though they're not within your immediate kind of org structure or chain of command, as we call it, you would still listen to them because they have the position power. So that's number one. The second source of influence for leadership is coercive or discipline influence. Coercive and discipline is really a fear-based where you will do it, otherwise something bad will happen to you. Okay, so that's where a leader is leveraging fear and maybe some intimidation, maybe some bullying there, where I will now kind of force you to do something because I have the ability to discipline you. In uh, So maybe that's, uh, if you remember, I listened to my teacher, not very well. I remember grade six, Mr. Rona, St. Edmund's School, wowzers. I did a lot of lines on chalkboards, I'm not gonna lie. 
Um, and chalkboards, yeah, not whiteboards, just smart boards. Yeah, the boards were made smart after we wrote on them, but there was no interactivity except for a piece of chalk. Yeah, so uh, needless to say, uh, he, uh, I listened to him because he can make me do lines. I think I had to do like 600 lines once and I will not be late or, or something, but that is huge. That's freaking child abuse now, isn't it? Anyways, I digress. So that's one, uh, that's the second leadership influence, coercive or discipline. Now the third, now we're starting to get into a little bit more of the positive, if you will, uh, reward influence. So I have the ability to reward you, therefore you will follow me. I can influence your behavior because I can reward you either through an award, uh, a reward, a raise, you name it, something like that. So that is the influence and you will follow me because of that. The fourth one is expert power. Now, this one is really, really powerful. Think about it in your own environment. Think about it in your own work, maybe at, at, at home even. There are instances, no matter what the rank, whatever the org structure looks like, if there's an expert, if there's a subject matter expert or a SME, Maybe you're running a project and you have an IT person on the project. They could be on the org chart, the lowest person. Maybe they're a programmer and they are in the basement of your corporate building and they're banging away on code. They've got no authority. They don't have any direct reports, but on your project, they have the expertise. They are the subject matter experts. So they have what we call expert influence. So if they say something, you will naturally listen to what they say and you will follow their lead. So we've got legitimate position power, course of discipline power, reward power, expert power. Now here's the fifth one, the, the coup de gracie, the coup de gras, the, the most powerful one that you can use. It's called respect influence respect, influence, or respect power. That, ladies and gentlemen, and boys and girls, everybody watching and listening, that is your number one source of influence, is respect. Now let's connect this a bit. You've heard me say it, maybe you've seen it. So that's in the cognitive realm. Let's make this, let's, let's make this connect a little bit, viscerally, shall we? All right, so let's use a historical context. Think of a leader. Um, a historical leader, maybe Nelson Mandela. He stayed, he was in prison for 20 some, almost 30 years, I think. And uh, he was doing manual labor. He was abused, you name it. And this is South Africa. So hardly a lot of prisoner rights, I would suspect. He came out and he was elected to lead the country. And he was revered across the world as being a tremendous leader. And the reason for that was the tremendous amount of respect that that person had, that Nelson Mandela had. Now, how did he get that respect? We'll deep dive into that in the next episode in terms of how leaders can actually gain that respect power. But suffice to say, respect power is really, really powerful. I didn't even know the man. Uh, he wasn't even alive. He, you know, he died many years ago. He had no direct influence on me. I didn't read any of his books or anything like that. I didn't visit his prison, but I'll tell you, when I think about respect, influence, and leadership, Nelson Mandela comes to mind. And history is wrought with those, you know, Gandhi and uh, Mother Teresa and even Winston Churchill. And now his leadership style was a, at a time and a place that fit really well for World War II, but he was quickly uh, voted out after the war. But during the war, tremendous amount of respect. And when he spoke, 
people listened to him and not because he was just the prime minister, but because he had tremendous respect for his office, but even more importantly, Winston Churchill himself. That's how powerful it is. So even now, all of these years later, I said Nelson Mandela, Winston Churchill, Michael Jordan. Yeah, he's a phenomenal athlete. Absolutely, I get it. But I have tremendous respect for him because of his work ethic and just his ability to win and want to win and want the ball. If there's three seconds left, two seconds left, he wanted the ball in his hands. I respected that. That was awesome, fantastic. So that's a historical context, those, those examples to really talk to you about the, the power it respect has. Now think about it in your own life. Think of one person who you really liked working for. Somebody that you'd go through a wall for, that you'd do the hell and back. So think about that a little bit. All right, so you got that in your mind? All right, now think about one that you did not like. Somebody that you didn't like working for or you don't like working for. Somebody that you did, did just the bare minimum. Okay, think about that person. All right, excellent. Now, let's connect this and let's see where this goes. Now, pay attention. So think about that poor leader, the person that you didn't like working for. Go into your heart, go into your stomach, go in your body, and what is the feeling that's invoked when you think about that individual? Think about that. Chances are it's a feeling in your gut. It's probably causing a constriction somewhere. It probably, in fact, I don't want to even say probably, I can almost guarantee the fact that it is raising your stress levels. Maybe your heart's beating a little bit faster. What's happening now is the cocktail of stress hormones are kicking in. And you may not have even have worked for that person for 10 or 15 years. So, so feel that, feel the contraction. All right, so now let's flip that around. What about the, the positive leader? Get into your heart, get into your stomach. What are you feeling now? Maybe even there's a little crack of a smile, depending. See the difference? It's an expansion, isn't it? Maybe you're nodding your head too. It's like, yeah, I remember that guy. Man, he was freaking awesome. He was hilarious. Funny AF and man, I, I loved working for him. It's too bad that he retired or she retired. See the difference? Now, chances are that positive leader is one that you respected. And that is the one that you would hitch your wagon to. For me, on a very personal level, I would just contrast, say, my dad and my granddad. Now, when I was growing up, just like so many people my age, uh, mid-40s-ish, um, you know, my kids had, uh, you were to be seen and not heard, right? When you go to a family gathering, you get down into the basement because the adults are going to be upstairs. They're going to be playing cards, drinking, and smoking. Like smoking, are you kidding me? I remember coming home on a Friday night, opening the door, and friggin' smoke wafts out of the house. We, they could even smoke on airplanes back in the day. Like, man, the humanity. Anyways, I'm glad I survived that. So, my dad, because this is how he was raised, led by fear, right? He used a lot of position power and discipline and coercive power. 
and maybe reward power as well. But I can tell you from my own perspective, my own naive young perspective, I certainly didn't think he was an expert at it. In fact, I think he may have sucked at it sometimes. Like, worst dad ever, right? And as far as respect, I don't know if I had a lot of respect for him. And, and if, you know, and maybe that sounds a little bit harsh, but fear definitely overrode everything else. That was the chief source of influence. So now that is raised, being raised in an environment where there's fear, there's a lot of stress, there's a lot of angst, right? Now, I don't get me wrong. I was not abused or anything like that, but I certainly wasn't hugely supported like uh, kids nowadays. Now I've got my dad, but now we have my granddad on my mom's side and he could have gone to the NHL, like for real. And the stories he told, he was a tremendous golfer. He was one of those guys that golfed his age, which if you're a golfer is like unheard of. Tremendously gifted athlete, large guy, but soft spoken, except if he got mad. He was uh, Scottish, red hair, although I know he had white. But I'll tell you, I would sit there and listen for hours, tell, listening to his stories. And I had huge respect for him. And I didn't do things, I didn't mow their lawn, I didn't help him in the in the workshop or in his basement or anything like that because I had to or I was scared to. I wanted to help. And no, it's not just because he was elderly and I'm supposed to respect him, but I actually had a deep respect for him. And so those are some, some personal examples. And the interesting thing is the strongest leaders don't actually ever use their position or fear to make people follow. Think about that. The leaders that are positive, the leaders that are using respect, they will not tell you, look, dude, you need to do that. You have to do it because I'm your boss. Those words probably have never come out of their mouths. All right. So Respect power, respect influence, that's where we want to go. And another reason it's so deep or the reason it's so powerful is because respect is really connected to our values. So when we think about respect, it's actually in our gut. It's in our hearts. That's where we're connecting. When we're respecting people and we're being respected, there's actually way more than just a mind, you know, brain to brain cognitive connection there. You are now tapping into somebody's values and the chances are, in fact, I promise you that if there is somebody that you respect, it's because their value, you respect from a values perspective what they're about. Maybe you respect their work ethic, you respect their um, integrity, their honesty, their sense of duty. All of those things, that is a values proposition. That's why you will follow somebody that you respect because that is a deeper connection at the values level. Now that also takes us into this whole millennial conversation and labels. And I'll tell you what, labels are such a cop-out. This whole millennial bill bullshit of like, well, what about the millennials? And what about this? What about that? Here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is not about generations. It is not about labels. It is not about age. It is not about gender. It is about the, your ability to connect with somebody as an individual and create respect, influence. No matter where they're coming from, it does not matter. I don't give a rat's ass how old they are. Because if you're telling me that if I take two 18 year olds and one was raised playing an Xbox, another one was raised on a farm, sweeping the, uh, the, the, the floor of the barn and working at his dad's uh, metalworking shop. Are you going to tell me that those two are exactly the same and they should be treated the same? 
bullshit. No way, no how, not going to happen. So as a leader, create that respect, build that respect influence with the individual. Then you will get some fantastic results. Trust me, respect transcends genders, generations, all of those other labels. It just does because we're talking about way more, way deeper impact at a values level. That's why respect is so important. Position, it's just cognitive. Look, you're higher up on an org chart. I'll listen to you, but respect at that values level. So the takeaway for us here, before we, uh, we wrap this up, is we want to get respect influence as quickly as possible. So we want to go through the position. Yeah, you're going to use position early on just because that's the easiest um, and that is the default. But as quickly as you can, progress and jump to respect as quickly as you can, but don't force it. Realize that this is a challenge and can take a lot of time. Think about your words, your decisions and actions through the lens of building respect influence. Does it contribute to or detract from respect influence? It either does or it doesn't. So think about that. Think about your respect influence with those around you. When you're thinking about your own leadership journey, when are you leveraging position, fear, reward, expert, and, and respect influence? Be deliberate about it. So that is the takeaway. Get to that respect influence as quickly as you possibly can. Quick call to action for you. I've in the comments have put a link to a uh, Facebook page. It's free or Facebook group. It's free. It's called the Connected Leadership um, Facebook group. And it is closed. And I want to get to a critical mass of about 50 people before I let everybody in. And that's where we will continue and having a lot of really good and frank conversations about connected leadership. So go follow those, uh, follow the links uh, that are put in the YouTube and the um, Facebook comments. Request access and just hold off for a bit. I'm going to, like I said, I'll wait for a little bit of a critical mass and then I'll, I'll let everybody in. It's kind of like a uh, uh, concert, open seating though, all right? So the five source of influence to summarize, le legitimate or position, coercive and discipline power, reward power, expert power, and respect power or influence. We want to get to that respect as quickly as possible, but don't force it. So in addition to being more deliberate about what influence you're using and what influence there are being used on you, my challenge to you this week is don't be just a manager or a leader, be a connected leader. Influence through respect and not fear. Lead with inspiration and not desperation. Be self-aware, facilitate, don't dictate. Be vulnerable and expect vulnerability. Be empathetic and expect empathy back. Be compassionate and that includes self-compassion and expect compassion. Be calm, manage the stress of yourself and those around you, and expect calmness everywhere you go. In summary, a connected leader is one who connects and then leads. So next episode, we'll talk more about gaining the respect influence. We'll get into some actual tactics. So please subscribe, share, and comment. And uh, let's, let's kick this thing old school and, and really uh, blow the doors off this and uh, blow this popsicle stand and what other analogy I can think of that's horrible. Um, so we will see you next week. Thank you very much for your time.